Welcome to the Etobicoke Historical Society's monthly oral history podcast. This podcast is one of a series of interviews of senior Etobicoke residents in the 1980s. The interview tapes were recently discovered in the local history room at Richview Public Library. We would like to thank the Toronto Public Library for giving them back to us so they could be made into these podcasts. These oral histories are a valuable and unique view into the history of Etobicoke in the early part of the 20th century, as seen through the personal experiences of local residents. We will be presenting a different interview each month. We hope you enjoy them. Well, anyway, uh, when uh, the girls finished show business and uh, they, you know, the times weren't so good, they t- went around the kitchen over we here in this place. Active. They want wanted to be active, you see. And they won't, and of course, they had people working for them, you know, and they ran the open kitchen. He gave it to them over there. Wonderful on the, a wonderful business. wonderful business. Well, this was at the racetrack. At yeah, the racetrack, you know, on the racetrack. The racing, the all the men. Mm-hmm. All the race, all the owners and trainers and jockeys and everybody came in and knew them all. They knew them all. Yes, and... Uh, we had the, Hamilton then afterwards. And Hamilton too. And uh, they had that for several years and did, did fairly well. We did Very well. interesting life. Oh, yes. While well, you're down at the, the racetrack, uh, did you win any money? Oh, were you big winners? Or oh, no? Yeah, we, and they'd come in, you know, when you were, when you were there. They'd, everybody would give you a horse, you know, in the same race, you know. And you know what it is, they all thought their horses were going to win. And uh, sometimes you'd get some, some really good We've never good tips. Oh, well, you did. I always did. I always did. But, oh, everybody that goes to the races for anything at the time eventually loses more than they win. That's what keeps the racing going. There wouldn't be any races if everybody was winning. But I have won some very good some yes, very some bets. You do. Oh, yes. Let me pardon a minute, Dini. I want to tell this story about Mr. Orkin. They said one night he was coming out, all the races were over, and he was coming out from the office, and this lady was sitting on a bench weeping. And he stopped and he said, Lady, what's the matter with you? And she said, Oh, she said, I've spent all my husband's pay today, and I'm afraid to go home. So he said, puts his hand in his pocket. How much was your husband's pay, lady? So she told him, and he puts his hand. Now he says, take that home. And he says, never you come back here again. Don't spending let me the see you. Don't <laughs> let me see you back here again. <laughs> yeah. So that was the kind he was. And you know, when they... Generosity to the core. And so charitable, oh. When he was dead, we went into his wake, and they... All these poor old down and outers coming in, sobbing and crying over them in the casket, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they used to race in Cuba, you know, at that time before Castro got in there. And this uh, time, the men all they went down from Canada. A lot of them used to race at Orphans tracks, and uh, the track went broke and closed. And they didn't have enough money to pay the, their bills, you see, for the, and they wouldn't let them leave. So they wired Orpen, and he sent down the money for to pay it all off. Feed bill, brought yeah. Brought them home the feed bill. Brought them home. Oh, he was a wonderful man, yeah. So anyway, they would not let him into the racing hall of fame. 
three or four it years. It kept on and on and on, and they were putting everybody in. The racing never gave up. He'd be nominated. Somebody had nominated him. No, he wouldn't go in. So anyway, Madeline finally she takes up. The first thing, you know, after the first yes. year when he didn't get in. I she starts right after the whole the bunch of them up there, Mr. Gorman, you know. Right into all of them. And they're there, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so finally it went on and it was still going. So she writes a letter to Milk Donald. Milk, you know Milk Donald. Uh, the, oh, the Toronto the Star. star. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Milk, he was always saying why I wasn't orphaned. So Madeline wrote this letter to him anyway. And he published it, every bit of it. He says, here's Madeline O'Connor. She has anything to do with it. Mr. Orphan is going to be in there. So mind you, they wrote to her again and they said, that wrote to her and said, well, you didn't nominate him properly. And she said, well, how am I, what am I supposed to do to nominate him properly? So he was put in, anyway. He was they put in. Up, they wrote oh. me back, and, oh, they always wrote me lovely letters back, uh -huh. you know, and uh, saying that they were trying that uh, sooner or later he'd be in there. So they, the last one, they said, I see you've caught me to nail him. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. So anyway, you he said, well, the next meeting comes up, he's going to be here. And he did go in, yes. yes. So well, thank you. That was three years ago. No, it's that the same. Three years ago last year. Yes, and where is it now? It's Vancouver, isn't it? Yes, Vancouver. And you know, this is the racing yeah. town. Why they don't keep it here in Toronto, I don't do no, know. They have it out in Vancouver, the Racing Hall of Fame. But he's in anyway. He was yeah. a grand old man. Yeah. Sad that dear Kathleen didn't live to see yeah, him. See him in. She and I were the ones we were always promoting him to get in, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, if we could go back to uh, the the O'Connor sisters traveling, you know, doing their act, I, I assume that you know there's six beautiful young women out in the road. Um, there must have been a lot of a uh, lot of young men. Well, trying to store Johnny's in those days, you know. How would the six of you handle it? No, we were never allowed to you know, go out with strangers. <laughs> Mother warned us that. Well, how would your older sisters <laughs> handle them? Oh, they yeah. used to. Well, you could easily give them a brush out, you know, in those days. You, you wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't like it today, <laughs> young and touring around like that. Sometimes they'd be waiting at the stage door. And I remember one time, and the college towns, boy, that's where they come, you know, college students. Oh, and yeah. we were playing this town, and, uh, and we were late getting out. The older girls... Pardon me, dear, but you were in the, the uh, act, and they used to look after you so well, the men. Well, I'm just telling yes, you. Yes, you were in that, to this tell that you were in that act, the school act, yes, but the men were in. So uh, we, uh, my older sister and I, the rest of them got, they were walking ahead, the older ones, and we were a bit like getting out, dear, uh, dear Nell, uh, and uh, these two uh, college boys were at the door and they said, well, we'd like to take them to, out to supper, and uh, we, we said, uh, oh no, and, and uh, they grabbed us by the arm, you know, and said, oh yes, you'd like to come out with us now, and, and we were walking along, and just then the, the men in the act, you know, there was... You the, were trying to get away from There them. was the mm. comedian, and there was that, the uh, one that played the professor, Sam Coyt, and then there was another one that played the janitor, young, young man. And uh, 
they they were just coming on, a couple of them came on, Paul Edison, Sam Coyt, and, and Charlie, I think it was, and they saw these fellas taking us by the arm, and they just ran and grabbed them and smashed them, smashed them, <laughs> were the poor guys, and the poor fellas started to run, and they ran, and as far as we could see, they were running after them. Chasing them. Chasing them. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. 
loved the horses. Mm-hmm. How was the uh, the the pay on, on the road? What, did they pay you well, or? Oh, well, not like they do today. Oh, no, but in but comparison to other acts, how? Five hundred dollars was a big big. <laughs> well, they were paid well in comparison yeah, to other acts. To a big big good act, yes. Good. Well, that was per night or per week or oh, per the week. week per week yeah, week. yeah. Oh, but these people today like are calling superstars yes. yes if it weren't for the microphone they wouldn't be heard in the no. second row in the theater that we used to pay you have to have powerful voices and you had a talent in those days to make the grade it wasn't like the microphones just came in at last but the microphone mm-hmm. halfway down their throats yeah. and Yes, yeah, Kate Smith is another that didn't mean. need a microphone to prop her on the stage. As I sent her a note, did you see the piece about her in the Enquirer? So sad to see the condition she's in, I must show you. Mm-hmm. Where dear, she was shut. We were there mm-hmm. for 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, they, they shut the mics off. They said we didn't need them, but we did our specialty. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, well, what did you, how did you do it so you could fill these theaters with your with your vocals because it seems so hard. Yeah, well, never and if, of course the acoustics were beautiful. Some of them were. Really really well, what was the best theater for acoustics that you ever? Beautiful orchestras, my goodness, you know, beautiful. They were all in those days. You couldn't look at big. Did you have a favorite hall to uh, sing in? No, I used to. Have the, we loved the Fox, Detroit, the beautiful. Yeah. Six thousand, season six thousand, every week we would get mm-hmm. different theater. But to see it was the old uh, talkies, the old movies that uh, destroyed vaudeville. And the talking pictures came in, took over all the vaudeville. It was old Kennedy, you know, the mm-hmm. general yeah, president. Yeah, uh, He bought up all the theaters uh, and uh, promoted uh, the. Uh, the talking picture, yes. he was. This is Joseph Kennedy. Yeah, yes. well, Joe. Yes. Yeah. He was back of the. He was back of the of the talking pictures. All the poor. And he bought up all of Audville theaters. They were all from the one did it. So many stars. They said, you know, in the Yeah. we were so fortunate that this wonderful parents, wonderful place here. Do you ever think vaudeville will come back? They always used to say they tried to come back once, you know. Tried to come back. What year was it? They tried to come back. Rick Nelly was in New York, and uh, they had the palace. You see, the palace. palace Judy Garland. And uh, it just lasted a little while. You see, the old. Oh, oh yes, the, t- the television. Yes. People mm-hmm. won't go out on television. No. They used to, in that day, the, uh, uh, oh, the big performers, like uh, the, uh, all of those big performers in the shows used to sometimes go into vaudeville, you know, if they're stars, if they're, if their uh, play that was coming up wasn't ready, you know, and they put on, they'd go into vaudeville for a while. Uh-huh. So Keith and uh, Keith all of, all, yeah. so many of them would, you know. And this time, this I'll tell us about the time you uh, played at uh, the Fifth Avenue, and uh, the um, 
they sang Annie Laurie, and that when they sang that beautifully too. And they sang uh, orchestra leader, of course, he knew them well. Well, Anna and uh, Nellie had gone down to New York ahead to book. Nellie was going with Mike at that time, and she went down ahead to meet Mike and Anna always did the booking. So uh, they went to the theater there, to the Fifth Avenue, to see the show. And of course, they all, you could always go right in, they'd take you right in and give you a box seat, you know, and everything in your uniform. And they put them right up over, just over the stage, it was, and they were in there. And who was she, this one? You've forgotten who she was. She was an opera star. And she was at that time in, uh, doing an act in the vaudeville for a while. And she came out on the stage. Grace Van something. Grace Van Stuyven. Yeah, Grace Van Stuyven. Yeah, she was a star, yeah. opera star at that time. Mm -hmm. And she uh, came out and the, he played, the orchestra leader was there, and uh, he played the introduction of Annie Laurie. And he had noticed the girls up there, you know. And uh, when she started to sing, he turned and he bowed to them. <laughs> but he remembered their singing of Annie Laurie. Oh, yes, they sang it so grand. What sort of uh, hotels would you be well, they, put up in? The hotels would be a good hotel in each town. The theatrical people would stay in a certain hotel, usually, in each town, and they'd say, well, stay at that hotel. But uh, what one would you stay in in New York City? Oh, in New York City. We had our own apartment. We didn't stay in a hotel. We had our own apartment. Yes. How about Buffalo? Oh, Miss Hurd stayed when I was with you. We stayed in a hotel in America. Oh, yes, so well, yes, did. did. Yes, oh, yeah. a lovely hotel. Well, so many did. Yeah. I remember there. Then when you played around New York, you'd always come back, and like in Jersey and places they'd be playing around, they'd come back into New York for the, always at night, you know, and yes, where was the uh, Where was your apartment located? Oh, we had uh, different ones, the different uh, apartments, one. It's just off of uh, 50, what was it? 52nd Street was one. Hotel <laughs> America was on 47th yeah. Street. Apartments, we stayed there. 47th Street, where theatrical people would stay. Oh, New York was such a beautiful town at that time. Oh, no, nothing like it is now. You could go right up into Har Harlem in that, those days. I was in New York and just visiting, you know. And uh, you could, they said you could, walk, you could walk right up into Harlem, a white woman, and nobody would ever look at you. You'd be safe. How did the, uh, when you were here in the summertime, how did the local people treat you? Oh, 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 heavens, they were crazy. <laughs> 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 they used to bring the, tell about the, tell about the, uh,
Anyway, I'm in all the animal societies, and I look after anyone I see abusing any animals. I'm right there to tell them off about it, you know. And uh, we are some friends of mine, and this lady in Fort Credit, she and I, we always help people out who can't afford to get the animals spayed and neutered. She has a lovely little business, and she uh, helps them all, anyone who can't afford it, you know. Thanks for listening to the Etobicoke Historical Society's Oral History Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and like. If you wish to learn more about the work of our society, be sure to visit www.etobicokehistorical.com. See you next month.